high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Branson, AJ Salveson. Good afternoon. Hope you're staying dry. Very wet day today. And you know what? We might even see some snow later tonight. Uh, let's hope not. Just when we thought we saw spring and see some uh, glimmer of hope, eh, Mother Nature's give, throwing us a curveball. Anyway, coming up this hour, uh, we're going to talk about some uh, Utah State women's basketball. Kayla Ard introduced today as the new women's basketball coach for USU. We'll talk to her in just a moment. Uh, we're going to do our stat that blew our minds. Having to go back through uh, some of the annals of time on some of these to find some uh, updates there. Uh, an interesting story in the Washington Post about Sam Merrill, about what might have been and how the opportunity to play in the NCAA March uh, Madness Tournament may have helped him get into the uh, NBA draft, but without it, may keep him from getting in. Uh, and then another story on, from ESPN looking at um, uh, looking at uh, some of the power rankings of those teams based on what uh, Joe Lunardi put out in his final bracketology, where does Utah State uh, land on that list? It's actually quite favorable. So, any some of the, some of the things we're going to get through this hour here on the Full Court Press. But first, let's go ahead, as I say, ladies always first, and especially when she's the new women's head basketball coach, the new member of the USB Athletics family, Coach Kayla R. joins us here on the Full Court Press. Coach, welcome to Logan. Congratulations on the uh, job. Grateful to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks so much, man. I'm super happy to be here, and uh, you know I've had a great outreach so far from the community of Logan, so I couldn't be happier about joining the team and just ready to get started. Coach, listening to your press conference today, you brought out you could just see the energy, the passion you have for basketball, the the love you already have for Cash Valley in the span of 24 hours that you've been here or whatever it is. Uh, why choose Utah State? What brought you here? Yeah, you know what, man? I, I really hope that uh, that John Hartwell's not listening to this because I'm I'm about to um, give him some props here. But you know, he's really what brought me here. He was my the athletic director at Troy a uh, very long time ago at my first Division One job. He was there, and and he's just the way he leads things. His leadership is is unbelievable. The people that he puts around him, um, it's just amazing, you know. And so I knew a long time ago I, I wanted to work for him. And when the opportunity, you know, came about, um, you know, I started talking to him about it, and then I. I kind of got a little more in depth with the uh, the community and and getting to know the, you know, just the place in general. Logan's a really special place, and and the people again so far just being here again. You know, we're going on 24 hours, and the fans and the people in the community just super amazing, super welcoming, and and they just seem to really have open arms to me. And that's just, you know, I felt that before I ever accepted the job. So. You know, all that together, Utah State is an amazing place. It's a great opportunity, and, and I know I can win here, and, and that's what we're going to do. So all those things together, you know, it was an easy choice, very easy choice for me to say yes. You've been a part of several different coaching staffs as, a, as an assistant, as an, as an associate head coach, or even an interim head coach. Uh, those things, How? I guess maybe the question is, how did they prepare you for this opportunity where you finally signed on the data line, you are a, a head coach now, something you've been working towards for all these years. Uh, what are some of the steps along the way that really helped you get to this point? Yeah, you know, it's so crazy to hear that. I don't, I don't think it sank in yet. I've been going 90 to nothing. I hadn't, hadn't had time to let it really sink in yet. So to hear that is, 
it's so humbling and, and uh, it's just amazing to, you know, hear that. And, and especially being associated with such an amazing university like Utah State. Um, wow. It's, it's just really a wow moment for me. But, uh, you know, my career, I've, I've literally been at every level you could be at in the college world. Um, you know, I started at junior college and, and that was the greatest experience of my life. It just really taught me how to connect to every type of player that you could come across and, um, you know, just taught me how important relationships were with my players. And then, you know, then I got into Division One, and I've been at, you know, low majors. I've, I've been in ACC at Clemson, um, and then I've been at super, super good mid-majors like Dayton. And so there's just – all those experiences have taught me how to relate and connect to a lot of different types of people and a lot of different types of players and personalities. So it's really helped me in the recruiting world. But, you know, you spoke on the things, the responsibilities that I've had along the way um, – you know, you always think you're ready for something until you actually have to do it. And there's always going to be things that come about that I think I'm ready for, but maybe I'm not yet. And that's where the amazing administration comes in at Utah State and the fan support comes in there, recognizing that, hey, I am a first-time head coach and I'm not going to have the answers to everything, but I can promise you I'm always going to figure it out. And I'm going to, I'm going to work to find the right answers and figure out a way to make it happen. But, you know, stepping into that interim role at Denver, um, it was a great experience for me. And, and, you know, most things in my life, I just try to take the experience that's, that's there and learn from it and the opportunity and make the most of it and and that's what I did with that opportunity and and it was fun it was a fun ride but you know again it's a credit to the fans for getting behind me and you know to uh to the players on the court for trusting in me so I just got to build that here and uh really looking forward to doing that I'm really bad at this game but it sounds like you have a little southern in your voice Uh, if you will introduce yourself to Aggie Nation where are you from uh yeah Kayla Ard I am from Louisiana so um, I've been I've been hashtagging a few things that say go Aggies and um, it says G E A U X. I saw Aggies. that. Um, so yeah, yeah, from New Orleans. So I'm trying to bring a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of Louisiana up to uh, up to Utah. You know, see if I can mix it in. So I'm not sure about the about the response I'm going to get from that, but we shall see. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the, uh, the the process of uh, being recruited to be a head coach here or uh, putting your name in the in the hat, so to speak, admits all of this coronavirus where there's social distancing and travel is restricted. How weird was that? Yeah, you know, that's, this is a very unorthodox, um, you know, unfamiliar territory, obviously, for everyone. Um, and uh, just just trying to kind of navigate my way through this as far as um with the coronavirus i mean it's 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 been a interesting process i'll say that for sure so just to be able to be here today in person to do the press conference you know i was able to fly out to salt lake and then back to campus again to to meet with the administration on two different occasions so to be able to make that work you know in the midst of all this was was really important and i just feel really grateful that you know i was able to do that there's so many people out there struggling with with the virus and the quarantine and so many things going on. So I'm just really grateful that I was able to do that. And, and um, you know, like I said, John and, and his administration and all the way up to the president, they, they just worked with me and were really understanding and, and just, you know, went to any lengths they could to, to get me here and, and to make this work out. So it is a very uncommon situation. You know, I'm, I'm kind of dealing with it now, getting to know the players, you know, over the phone and, you know, video Skype and stuff like that. So that's not common, but, you know, man, it is what it is, and and hey, let's let's be honest. I've I've been dealt a lot of hands in in my life, and and I always figure out a way to play them. So you know, I'll figure out a way to make this work, and it's it's not going to hold me back from anything. 
Uh, along with uh, meeting with players, you've got to figure out what your staff is going to look like. Do you have a, uh, an ETA uh, on that of when you would like to get your staff put together? Yeah, you know, I would have liked to have done that as of yesterday. <laughs> you know, perfect world, I would have liked to have had him here already. But, um, you know, it's a process. Just like recruiting a player, you kind of got to recruit a staff. And the most important thing for me is to make sure it's the right fit um, for, for me, for Logan, for the team, for the administration, for, you know, everybody, for the other coaches. You know, we're in the same suite as men's basketball. And so, you know, I, I really like those guys. Craig Smith and his staff has been amazing to me so far. And, um, and I can't wait to develop more relationships with them. So getting the right people here that are going to fit, um, you know, in with all of those people and the community of Logan is very, very important. So I, uh, I'm taking my time. Um, you know, it's kind of a hurry up and wait thing. I'm taking my time. I'm doing my due diligence and, and my research and just making sure that I get a right fit. But I definitely have some people in mind. And, you know, I'm going to bring people here that are like me, they high energy, just grinders, want to work, want to roll up their sleeves, want to get this thing done. Um, people that are very, very determined to turn this program around and give Aggie Nation something to, something to cheer about and look forward to coming to the game. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to go as fast as I can, but I'm definitely going to do the, do the work and put the time in to make sure it's right. Uh, what are your goals? I know as a new year, uh, first year coach into this kind of a program, you have to be realistic and such. But what if for you in your first year, what are your goals? Yeah, um, you know, I want to move in the upper half of the conference. I'm pretty familiar with the Mountain West. Coached against several of these teams already with my time in Denver, and had some success against the teams. And I've, you know, had a lot of time throughout this process to watch a lot of film on uh, Utah State and the rest of the teams in the conference and figure out you know, what we have, what we need, what we're missing, what we're going to have to adjust to, and what it's going to take to do that in, in the Mountain West. So my goal is to move in the top half of the conference and finish, you know, in the top half of the conference in my first year. Anything past that, icing on the cake, and um, I'd love to get in the tournament and make a run. And then, uh, you know, I want to double the, the wins that they had. So they had eight this year. I want to try to get to 16, and it's going to take some hard work. It's going to take some, uh, you know, different thinking outside the box and, and some different tactics, but, but, you know, I'm ready to do it. And, and I definitely think it can be done. You know, I've got a great group of girls. They're, they're good people and they're excited and they, they want to be better. They want to get better and they're excited about me being here. So, you know, we're going to figure out a way to do this thing together. And those are my goals. And ultimately my end goals are, I want to cut down the nets. You know, I want to win championships here. It can be done here. Craig Smith has done it here. He's got a great group of guys around him and, so there are fans here to support basketball. You see that at the men's basketball game. So I know that it can be done on the women's side as well. So ultimately, my goal before I leave here is to cut the nets down. Again, we're speaking with Kayla Ard. She is the uh, new women's basketball coach for Utah State, introduced today. Uh, and Coach, um, you, you talked about touching base with, with the players. Uh, unfortunately, one of the things with uh, Jerry Finkbeiner's tenure at Utah State was the best players – seemed to leave with regularity. And it was frustrating, I know, for him and frustrating for Aggie fans to watch that as soon as a great player would develop, somehow or another, they would leave. Uh, what's your your feeling for the places where you've been? Is that a, a, a symptom that's pre- prevalent overall in college basketball? Or is that something that sometimes just happens in isolated incidents? Yeah, you know, nowadays, um, unfortunately, society's kind of, you know, taught kids that it's okay to transfer and, and give up and throw in the towel and, you know, point fingers and blame it on this or that instead of working through it. Um, and that's really unfortunate, but it's kind of the way that um, it's went. You know, the transfer portal is, is opening up and, and making it okay for kids to transfer over and over and over, and that's really frustrating. 
especially being at a, um, a mid-major school, although, you know, the facilities and stuff at Utah State are, are, you know, up there with Power 5 schools. But if you look at the scheme of things, you know, especially women's basketball, you know, Utah State is a mid-major school. So, you know, the bigger schools are going to kind of pick at your better players. And, and you just have to, as a coach, I hope that I can do a good enough job to make sure that those players are happy and loved and, and having a great experience here to where they don't want to leave. And that, that's on me that's going to be on my staff and, and uh, making sure their experience here is just, is just so great that there's not a – you know, the grass isn't greener on the other side and they don't even give that a thought. So um, I know that's been a, a, a problem here. And, and, you know, I can't really speak on what was going on then or, or, or why. You know, I've heard some great things about, about the previous coach and, um, and stuff, and I know he had some unfortunate luck with some players leaving and – Sometimes it just happens that way, but I, uh, you know, hopefully I can I can figure out a way to get them to stay and and make them happy and um, you know we're we're winning games and who doesn't want to win so that's uh, that's my plan win a lot of games and everybody will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> hey, have you, you you said you met Coach Smith, right? Yeah, absolutely. How was that experience? Yeah, that was awesome. You know, me and that guy, I feel like I could sit in a room and talk to him for hours until like five minutes went by. Um, it's it's really funny. Uh, John Hartwell has compared me to him, and I am the female version of Craig Smith. That's a compliment. So, um, I promise. Yeah, that's a huge compliment. That's a <laughs> huge compliment. You know, I, I'm a, I'm gonna tell Craig that he's he's lucky enough to be getting compared to me. That's that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> like no, it. he's uh, he's awesome, man. He's awesome. I love his energy, and I can see why that comparison's getting thrown around. I mean, he's a high energy guy. He came in with big expectations. He filled those shoes, and you know, he did it quickly, and that's. That's what I want to do, and, and, you know, we're both very passionate about basketball, and I can, you can tell that from him the minute you meet him, and I think people feel that way about me the minute they meet me, and, um, or at least I hope they do, and, and so I can get that comparison, but he's awesome. His staff has been extremely welcoming. He's been very welcoming. You know, I already got all those guys' numbers in my phone, and, and they're checking on me every day and asking what they can do to help and stuff, so, yeah, they've been amazing. Um, he's, he's really put something special here, and and uh, laid the foundation, and so now we just got to we got to transfer it over to the women's side. What is one thing you are excited to experience in Cash Valley besides the four seasons in five minutes that happens here at <laughs> this time of year? Yeah. yeah, you know what, man, the ice cream. I need to go get some ice cream. I, I I've been asked this question like four times about this <laughs> ice cream. So, I mean, I mean, I'm not even a huge ice cream person, but I feel like I got to go. I got to go experience that because that's what everybody keeps talking about. So. So I'm looking forward to that, but you know, from a from a professional standpoint, I'm just I'm really looking forward to uh, the embrace from the fans, and I want to get out in the community, and and I'm looking forward to that part. You know, I, I love that part, and and this will be my first time to be able to do that as a head coach. So I can't wait to jump out there and and get in the mix with everybody and let them get to know me. And um, you know, I've tried to do that somewhat on social media with, you know, people are tweeting about me or to me or whatever, and I've I've really tried to respond to literally every single person um even if it's just with a thank you or something because i i want people to know i'm i'm here i'm involved in and my door's wide open i want to get to know you so um you know that's that's the biggest thing to me right now that i'm looking forward to probably is, is aggie nation the fan base i mean there's some of the best fans in the country here so i just i'm looking forward to the embrace from them when you were the interim coach at denver you uh, you were the interim coach for what 11 games is that right Oh, sure, if you say so. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. I'll go with that. Uh, at, at what point during those games did you, whether it was when you went to the bench after a timeout or on your way home, did you think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be head coach? 
I, I can do this. I can do this full time. I can be the number one. I can be big chair. I can do this. Yeah, you know what's funny about the um, the answer to that question is uh, some people are going to get this and some people aren't. And, um, you know, when I realized that is uh, when I lost a game that I shouldn't have. Um, and whether it was me or the players weren't ready for it or whatever, um, it happened. And I remember after the game going, um, wow, you know, if I was better prepared for a late-game situation, we wouldn't have lost that game. And now whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I know that I learned so much from that one particular game that I spent – I just spent the next 48 hours really preparing for late game situations. And then it, it was funny. Um, you know, God has a sense of humor because he, uh, the, the next like five games, I ended up having to like time out, advance the ball at the end and have these late game situations. And, and then, you know, we finished the season winning six in a row. So, so obviously I learned my lesson, but, um, you know, I think it happened after that. I, right after that, I was like, Hey, you know what? I can do this. I am ready to do this. And then watching it pay off game after game toward the end of the season there, um, you know, really learning from that experience. That I think that's when it happened for me. Um, and like I said, you know, things are still going to happen. I think things happen in people's life every day. They think they're ready for it. They're not really ready for So I'm excited about, about those things happening because I think that's the most, you know, that's when you have the most growth and, and you, you really, it changes you. You know, it changes you. If you're, if you're humble enough to learn the lesson and take it, um, I think you become a better person and a better coach. So, yeah, I would, I would say actually when I lost a game that I shouldn't to answer that question. Newly minted Utah State women's head basketball coach Kayla R. joins us here on the Full Court Press. Coach, how, because you've experienced the NCAA tournament a couple of times being on staff, how much can that experience help out raising a young team or maybe a team that hasn't been there for quite some time? Yeah, you know, the team the team's really young, but like I said, I, I think that I think that they – they're really excited about, you know, I'm young and a uh, young head coach, and I think they're excited about that, the energy and, and, and that type of thing. I mean, I'm going to get out on the floor with them and, and, you know, experience things with them in practice. So I feel like they're super excited about that and uh, it just gives them a, you know, like I said, kind of a, a breath of fresh air. And, um, and you know, I, I think it's okay that we're young. You know, that's, that's fine. I don't really get into all that stuff. I, actually, if, if anything – I, I kind of like it because it, it gives me time to develop more with those kids and, and develop more of a relationship with them. And, and, you know, I like that. I like that aspect. So that doesn't, that doesn't intimidate me. It doesn't, doesn't scare me. I'm actually looking forward to that, um, getting to know them more and, and digging in with them and kind of going through the recruiting process with them, if, if you will, getting to know them and their parents and where they come from. So I'm going to take it more, you know, more like that than, than I am like, oh, man, we're really young. I mean, there's some obstacles we're going to have to jump over, but – but I think we're okay, and, and and like you said, you know, from my my past and the staff that I'm going to put around me, we'll have the experience to get it done. Coach, final uh, question: What is your message to Aggie Nation as they listen to this uh, interview tonight? Yeah, for anybody that's listening right now, I just my first message is uh, thank you, thank you. The embrace here has been absolutely amazing, and uh, I know she's going to get better and better. And and um, I'm going to I'm going to literally work tirelessly to uh, to make everybody here proud and uh, really support the, the town, the state, um, the community, the athletic department, myself, my family, um, in, a, in a positive way that, that people will be proud of. And, you know, I, I'm telling you, come out to the games. You'll see, you'll see what I'm saying. Come out to the games. I'm going to give you something to be excited about. The team is going to play hard for you, and uh, we're going to win games, and it's going to be fun. We're going to score a lot of points. So I hope they're ready. I hope Aggie Nation's ready. Uh, we're coming. So I hope they're ready for it. 
Coach, on behalf of Cash Valley and all of Logan and all of us, we are happy for you, excited about this new era, and excited for you. Congratulations on the new gig, and uh, look forward to seeing you in the winter. Thank you so much, man. Looking forward to it. All, all right, coach. thanks, Coach. Take care. All right, have a good one. Coach Kayla Ard. And, She's uh, good. Yeah, I, she, I honestly, fun. you could get that Craig Smith-like feel when, as soon as she was on the phone. It was just as energetic, and you could hear the Southern, and I was like, Alabama. Well, I saw like, the the uh, Go Aggies, the the uh, yeah, the G A unique spelling. It's ah, like, oh, she must be from Louisiana, which is John Hartwell's aisle too, by the way. And I, you know, I'm gonna say it. John Hartwell has done a fantastic job with hires. Hardly has he missed, and this is a big time hire. The guy knows basketball. He knows this university. He knows this valley. He knows what they need, and this is what he feels the Craig Smith like hire on the women's side of basketball. Is, is exactly what this, I mean, the probably the energetic shot that this, in the arm for the women's basketball program, and she's going to bring I am beyond excited about what she, what we're going to get out of her. Again, go out and support the SAG women's basketball team and uh, and uh, go see what uh, go see what. Coach well, she's Archie had a lot of table. interesting stops along the way at various different levels of, of basketball, which is interesting, uh, which puts, you know, puts a coach in a lot of different communities and a lot of different gyms. Uh, from the highest level to some of the lowest levels. So uh, I think that um, helps uh, somebody spot real talent and how that can be molded and worked into a system. So uh, she's noted to be a, a really good recruiter. Uh, we'll see. Uh, her first recruiting job will be with the current uh, s- staff, current uh, players and team to see who sticks around, who opts to stick around, who opts to leave. Uh, and then how well she recruits uh, coaches um, and uh, their support staff to be with her. So it's going to be a long process before we really start to see what this hire means for Utah State. But certainly she sounds like she's got good energy and she's got a good track record of where she's been. So Look, and we're, it seems and exciting. I, I listened to that and I think, and I hate to keep doing this, so please forgive me, Coach Ard. But I think we all kind of thought the same thing about Craig Smith, right? Yeah, he had success at NAIA school, but could he do that at a Division One program? He might have be good talker, right? He might be have good jokes, but can he win basketball games in the Mountain West Conference? And he answered that one with a sledgehammer to a bell. And I honestly, I like just listening to Coach Art and listening to her enthusiasm, her goals, her energy, being realistic about the situation, but not being afraid of it. Is is just is something that is refreshing to me, and this is what that program needed. It, it's a it's a hundred percent high five heart uh, a high five to Hartwell on this hire. Really, really good one. I like it. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a break. Coming back, Eric retweeted the bracket, and everybody needed to jump on it. All of a sudden, you saw a number skyrocketing in favor of the Aggies. Yeah, they're bumping up. That's good. We'll tell you, we'll we'll update you on those numbers. We'll get you ready for the rest of the sports world. Don't forget, we have our stat of the day, which is going to be kind of an interesting way going about it. Uh, We'll get into that and more on the Full Court Press. Eric Franson there. I'm LJ Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Can't share with Big Brother, can they? 
Eric France and LJ Salves here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan, grateful to have you joining us, however and wherever you are doing. And if you are streaming on 1069thefan.com, big thanks to Kayla Ard for joining us here on the Full Court Press. If you are looking for the interview, it is now posted and ready for your attention. Uh, you can go to our podcast platform and just click on that. And uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, just type in Eric's name, my name, in the Full Court Press, or even type in Kayla Ard's name and you'll find it. Uh, but that is ready for your viewing uh, so again, thank you for all listening. Appreciate it. And again, big thanks to uh, USU women's basketball to Doug Hoffman and Kel Art for, uh, joining us here on the uh, show. Eric, good stuff from her. Yeah, that was, uh, it, hopefully it's an exciting new era for USU women's basketball. There have been moments, flashes of competitiveness, and it looks like the team's going to do something special. Uh, and then there's been bumps along the way. A lot of bumps. A lot of bumps. Yeah. A lot of bumps. And I love the question you asked. And she was real about it, too, that we have lost a lot of great players that they transfer. Can, I mean, how do we fix that? And, you know, she she was, she said in this day and age, you know, it is what it is, but that she will do whatever it takes to be the coach that they want her to be and to, and to develop that relationship that I honestly think she can. And to keep kids from saying, you know what, I can find a better way somewhere else. She wants to avoid that. So I'm excited. Uh, Eric, yeah, I mean, uh, she sounds like she has good energy and she's saying all the right things. And uh, but you're right, the the proof is in the pudding. Yep, absolutely. Eric, uh, a while back, just before the the our interview with Coach Art, you had tweeted out about the KSL Sports Utah's all time best college basketball player bracket. We had three Aggie players in there. Two-seeded J.C. Carroll, who was leading Jeremy Grant by a lot. But three-seeded Sam Merrill was barely getting by uh, Arsenal by about seven votes at the time. And Wayne Estes was struggling with seven-seeded Tom Chambers. Yeah, when I first saw it, Estes was losing. And it wasn't good. In fact, when we refreshed it, he was up by five. So then you retweeted it. I went and retweeted it as well. And now, Eric, things are right in the world. It's, I mean, it's still kind of close, but there's some separation. There's not a lot of voting on this, to be frank. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there's a little separation here. Wayne Estes is at 153, and Tom Chambers is now at 125. And that's growing. The separation between Estes and Chambers is growing. So, Aggie fans, you're doing your job. It's good. <laughs> it's good. good. Uh, it's Sam, Sam Mer- Merrill and uh, Harold Arsenal also separating. Yeah, a lot. Because that was really close. That was that was a seven point uh, that was a seven point game at the time. One fifty or it was one thirty one, one twenty four. It is now Sam Merrill one fifty four to one twenty eight. The Cinderella point guard is uh, is starting to lose its glass slipper, and Sam Merrill starting to take over one fifty four twenty eight. Now. The, if Sam wins, he gets the winner of Bogut and Bradley. And right now, it's going to be Bogut in a just route, 212-68. Bogut over 10-seated Sean Bradley. Estes will have to take on Damian Lillard now, who Damian, by the way, leads Kyle Collinsworth 239-43. to Good luck, Estes. And J.C. Carroll is leading easily over Jeremy Grant, 185-96. He will take on uh, something Vrains of Utah Utes. Six seeded, who beat Mike Smith, who is a three seed. One um, Vrains is up one seventy one one oh eight. So I, I've got a feeling JC Carroll's gonna win that battle too. And will advance his way to the sweet sixteen to either take on, well, most likely take on Danny Ainge over DeLon Wright. Hey, speaking of Sam Merrill, nice article written on the, in the Washington Post mm. by Kent Babb. Uh, talking about the, the about Merrill. It says for Utah State star Merrill. 
that one shining moment never arrived. And we've talked a lot about these what-if moments, what could have been moments. And basically, a big piece of the, the, the interview is, uh, this article is about his time as a missionary down in Nicaragua. It helped him overcome frustration and disappointment and be able to live through hard times. And also how this uh, opportunity for an NCAA tournament run really could have helped his draft stock. And right now, he's in this bubble zone where he may not be considered within the top 60. Uh, this guy that there's been some things going on on Twitter today from this Josh Lloyd, who says he put together some mock draft stuff about you know, the top 100 players and says that Sam and, and Nimi aren't even in the top 100 of his draft analysis. Uh, anyway, there's some some concern, though, that Sam Merrill may be on the fringe there anyway. Uh, this uh, Washington Post article does quote uh, and, and talk to uh, Seth Greenberg, uh, I get his thoughts about it. And uh, one of his quotes is, if uh, that uh, he's an if is pretty good. In this year's draft, it's hard to get to 60. It really is. Um, and so just some of the other comments from Sam Merrill says, we'd all been anticipating that it was going to come just like that. My career was over. It's probably what hit me the hardest. It was very unorthodox. And he says, later, at the end of the day, I'm a fringe guy anyway, so whether I played well in the tournament or not, I'm going to have to prove myself in these workouts and in the combine. And I think he's right. I, I think that um, for Sam Merrill... As much as we've enjoyed watching him and his clutch play and how well he did in the tournament, uh, he is an older player. Uh, he's 24 years old. And uh, he will have to come into the these uh, workouts really in shape and on point and uh, impress in those individual workouts. Uh, and I hope he does. I mean, these are articles like this are nice to give him some extra attention um, and uh, publicity because he certainly deserves it. Uh, but it may come down to how his individual workouts are at those uh, individual NBA teams and how well they go, and if he can get into the top 60. Because it's not just the best players in, in college basketball. You're talking about international players, underclassmen. Uh, so it, it's a wide field. Um, but this year's NBA draft class is pretty wide open. There's a lot of uncertainty. So if there's a year for him to really stand out, and uh, make some noise. This this is the year to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Sam has that chance to make some noise. I know some people are a little bit more skeptical about what if he's even NBA NBA eligible, NBA player. And I, I, man, I, I strongly disagree. But you know, it's funny when we talked to Tony Jones. You brought this up off air, Eric, before the show. Tony brought up a great point. The NBA is a whole different level. 20-something notches above college basketball. That the players there are just, it's a different game. Guarding Malachi Flynn and guarding Stephen Curry is just two totally different animals. Guarding Matt Mitchell and guarding James Harden is a totally different animal. And so, there's things that he'll need to get better at. But again, you know, I, I watch what Cody and Caleb Martin are doing for the Charlotte Hornets right now and how impactful they have been. And there was a ton of people, Eric, who told me that they wouldn't be NBA. That they would not make it to the NBA. And they have absolutely... That's true. They're getting minutes. Wrong. Yeah, they're getting minutes. They're and playing. And important minutes, too. Crucial minutes. 
though that game against San Antonio, where they were in it until the last second, you know, it's you can see the impact they have on a game, and I think Sam Merrill can have that same impact. Yeah, I think he can. I think that Tony Jones put it best that Sam's probably a rotation guy. He might get 10 minutes a night, uh, a support guy coming off the bench. Um, hopefully it's more than that. But, um, you know, he, he is a guy that played against some great competition in the Mountain West with a, a really good San Diego State team, a very defensive-minded San Diego State team, and was able to still get a lot of points and make things happen and eventually win the game. So big, uh, you know, big opportunities for Sam Merrill. Hopefully it goes well. Don't turn around, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Could not agree with you more. Uh, do you think Sam does get drafted in the NBA without the Combine Pro Day experience if it, or if it doesn't come? I think he does because he can do so many different things. He can score. He can create his own shot. He can defend. Uh, but he needs, he'll need to be in a little better shape. I know it's a common knock against him, but he'll need to he'll need to slim up, or I guess slim down would be the better way to say that, um, because just he'll he'll need to pass all the tests, including the eye tests, which I think is overrated and over talked about. But um, I, I think that I think he can make an NBA squad, but he may it may end up being an undrafted free agent that works his way into more playing time slowly. And he maybe he's a two-way player for a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I think he develops a little bit more in the G League, which is, by the way, is nothing bad. People got to quit demoting the G League or putting the G League as a demotion. It's not. It's a chance to improve, get better, and ready yourself for NBA play. Yeah, there's a Caleb there's Martin a went there. Of... Cody Martin went there. Rudy Gobert was there. Uh, yeah, like yeah, you said, there's a number of players who've been through G League now have put themselves in the NBA and are excelling. Because they got the the introduction to the league that they needed, this is a great way to do it. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think he can. I, I think he can. Uh, it depends on you know how well he takes care of his body right now and uh, preparing himself to to uh, work out with teams individually. All right, uh, really quickly, I want to get one more just update on uh, this this bracket right now. Uh, numbers are still the exact same as they were before. In fact, Samarello is now 156-120 over Arsenal, and J.C. Curls 187-96 over Jeremy Grant. Wayne Estes is in front of Chambers and most likely will cruise to a win of 154-125. to So thank you, Aggie Nation, for not letting Tom Chambers beat Wayne Estes because if he would have, I swear to life, I would have had some questions. It would have been pitchforks. Yep, and fire sticks. All right, coming back on the full court press, don't forget we'll have a stat that blew your mind. I'm excited about this. Uh, and other news and notes coming up in the sports world. It's all coming up on the full court press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It doesn't matter who you root for. The full court press has all the high school sports covered. The full court press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Derek France and AJ Salzner on the full court press 542. You're what are you doing? <laughs> 542. Your time. 106 on FM 1390 AM. The fan. If you missed Coach Kayla Ard's uh, interview, you can now find it on our podcast or 106 on the fan.com. Uh, 
Just type in whatever you want and you'll find it. It'll whatever I want? Uh, Eric, don't. Just don't not want... the name of that Olympic guy. You may, I, I knew you you may be disappointed there. with the search results. I knew as soon as I said that, you gave me that look. You may not like the search results. <laughs> Man, you're bad. <laughs> just, <laughs> you know better. Just trying to be a word of warning. <laughs> Great, thank you. Uh... Eric, uh, should we save the stat for our last segment, or do you want to go now? What do you want to do? Is uh, this, this is producing live on the air, by the way. Let's do it now. Oh, you want to do it now? Yeah. Crap my pants. Okay, go I ahead. I knew it, because you weren't ready. I know I You're wasn't. You're giving me grief. You're not ready. I'm like, I'm ready. <laughs> it's all good. I hate you. Got my stuff right here. Go ahead, my man. Okay, so since there's not really a lot of now sports going on. Yeah, that's for dang sure. I'm to reach back in time. Uh, this was actually not on this date in history. It was yesterday in history. But um, it's a stat that illustrates this player's greatness. This was back in 1994. This player scored a goal, broke a tie with the former record holder, but then went on to score 92 more goals before retiring. This was Wayne Gretzky, scored his 802nd career goal on March 23, 1994, uh, tying Gordie Howe for the most in NHL history. But he went on to score 92 more goals before retiring with a total of 894. It is still the record today for goals scored in the NHL. And by the way, something else, something that did happen on the state in history, this happened one year ago. The richest and biggest contract in sports history in North America signed on this date one year ago. Can I guess who it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, Wayne Gretzky. One year ago. Oh, one year ago. Sorry, I thought. Okay, sorry, I thought you. Oh, my bad. The biggest contract in North American sports history signed one year ago. Oh man. Um. You get it. You should get it. Is it Bryce Harper? That was earlier in the season, earlier in the year, I should say, a year ago. So it wasn't Mike Trout then? It was Mike Trout. Was it really? It was Mike Trout. Who beat him? Didn't someone else sign a bigger one now? No, he's, okay. he owns the richest contract. Uh, $426.5 million for over 12 years. Wow. We're going to be close. Ajay, it might happen, well, maybe not next year because everybody's going to be off and weird with the finances because of what's going on right now. But we're not that far away from a player signing a half a billion dollar contract. It's going to happen. Could you imagine five? Okay. What sport does it happen in? Probably baseball. Who? Just because they sign longer term contracts that are worth more. NBA players have shifted to signing Shorter contracts so they can change if they want to. I mean, over their careers, over their lifetimes, they'll have accumulated that much. But they're signing shorter deals so they have the flexibility and freedom to move. Hmm. But I don't know. Maybe somebody bucks that trend and says, no, I want to sign it. I love this place. They're good to me. I want to be good to them. I'm going to sign a big, fat contract and stay here for a long time. Fair enough. Hey, speaking of coronavirus issues that are just sweeping out events, the last time the NHL had to cancel its draft was 2005. It was due to a six-month player lockout. 
So that's the last time it's happened, and it happened on this day. Really? Yep. Wow. 2005. And how long was it, the lockout? Six months. So, it, I mean, it nearly wiped out. I would have wiped out almost their whole season, wouldn't it? How long is their season? Because they're already halfway through. Are they halfway through? 43. I know one team's like 43 and 24 or something. That's got to be close. Wait, say that. I thought you said the NFL. No, NHL. NHL. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Well, their their season is close to uh, the NBA season. And and how it's structured, how oh, okay. it uh, how it's structured, okay. when it begins, when it ends. Fair enough. Pretty close. Hey, speaking of this day in history, March twenty fourth, two thousand twenty, Steve Ballmer, talk about just, I don't know, having that weird rivalry, weird relationship with your bigger brother. Steve Ballmer has reportedly purchased a forum for four hundred million dollars. Yeah, there's been a really big controversy. In debate within the Clippers and the Lakers organizations, they share a building, but the Clippers feel like they're second-class citizens in yeah. their what they felt should have been their own building, but it's always been the Lakers' building. Uh, and after the Lakers, it's the LA Kings' building. So the Clippers are third-class citizens in their own building. So they've been working on trying to create their own venue, and there's been some controversy with. Uh, the, some land that they want to, to build on, and Madison Square Garden, who, based in New York, actually owns the Forum, which used to be where the Lakers played, but now is used exclusively for a, as a concert venue, and will continue to be a concert venue. But because of like parking lots and shared parking and things like that, I think is where this new complex is going to be built in Inglewood. But basically, this signals the the beginning of a new era for the LA Clippers so they can build their own arena. And it can be theirs. They don't have to share it with the Lakers. And of course, those things get used for other things uh, ultimately. But uh, that'll be really interesting to see. That guy has a ton of money. He just put $400 million down to buy the Forum, which is look kind of an old building. It's just not first-rate, first-class type of building. But... No. It's got a lot of land around it, and that's in Southern California. That's a premium. Yeah, speaking of which, I mean, it still mind boggles me that it was projected to be $150 million, and now the new stadium in Mission Valley for San Diego State is going to be $310 million, which they break ground on April 20th of this year, and they expect to have done by 2022 when Utah State will head to San Diego State. I don't know all the details of that, but you know there are multiple government entities that are involved with it, and I can tell you right now that was a big contributing factor as to why that double almost doubled in price. Really, being a Mission Valley is that no? Because there's different government entities involved. You got a university, okay. you got a city, you got a county, you got the state, and everybody's going to say, "Well, if it's going to be here, you have to do things this way," and that's why those things get really expensive. Fair enough. I Like I said, I don't know all the details, but from some of the things that I have read, it's been very difficult to navigate those waters for San Diego State, but I guess it's a good thing they've got finally got it figured out <laughs> so they can start to start uh, start beginning this, this the construction on their new stadium, which isn't going to be really big, but it does have opportunities to expand much bigger than that. But you know what? I can't fault them. Attendance at college football arenas 
around the country are declining. So why build a huge stadium that you're not going to fill? Make it uh, nice, sight lines great for everyone, uh, enhance the amenities, and just go with what you can go. And if it's, if you continually sell out, then look at expanding. But uh, you know what? That's a, probably okay. 35000 It's pretty in line with uh, a lot of the other arenas in the Mountain West. What's Utah State? 21? Uh, less than 25. About 25. Okay. I not remember. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we'll close up the show, put a bow on it, and call it a night and get you ready for a show on Wednesday, halfway through the week. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press. Eric, AJ, 106 NFM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Andre Salveson, thanks for joining us here at 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Grateful you've been able to spend two hours with us. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed the show. Good show today. Better show tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow we're going to have a Cash Valley baseball historian join us over the phone. Ross Peterson knows about baseball athletes coming and going throughout the many years. Now, I think I know a lot about high school baseball, but not as much as Ross Peterson does, or at least the athletic background of Cash Valley, of the athletes that have came in and out. And so this will be a fun conversation to have, to talk about some of those athletes. Maybe we'll know some of them, maybe we won't, but uh, to get his take on them. Yeah, it should be fun. And uh, that's what we do you know. right now in the midst of uh, not a lot of other current sports. Yeah, we're a, trying, It provides people. an opportunity for us to reflect back, right? To remember the good things that did happen and the other things that, that t- took place, the former players, the great games that, that we got to watch back when sports were still a thing. Uh, but uh, last thing I want to pass along to Ajay, is just another reminder. Social distancing is important. That doesn't mean it's not the same thing as social isolation. So you still can get out and do some things, but just be smart. Don't do it in large groups close together. Um, this is really important that we practice this social distancing. We practice good hygiene because this... We're, we're in the early stages of, the, of this here in the state of Utah. Hopefully, if we all uh, are good about all of this, it won't get that bad. But um, there are many states that are in complete lockdown. <laughs> Thankfully, we're not there yet, but hopefully we don't have to be. But if people are smart and practice social distancing and do the right thing, then we won't have to be in complete lockdown like New York and California and many other states across the, across the country. So. Let's be smart, let's be safe, and uh, be healthy. And don't forget, the fan is inviting businesses, clubs, organizations, church groups, and event organizers to call in and tell us what you're doing in light of COVID-19 restrictions and precautions. Call in at 435-774-1674 and leave a short message to us or for us to air. Everyone wants to know what's going on, and we'll share your message and help get the word out. Together, we can help one another. That phone number again is 435 774 one six seven four, and again from Eric and I in the Cash Valley Media Group. We want you to be safe, be happy, uh, find new ways to entertain yourself, which is a good thing to do. Read a book, listen to a podcast, listen to our podcast, uh, and uh, just you know, sit back. Look at replies okay. to anything relating to the oh, International yes. Olympic Committee. Yes, yes, I'm telling you, don't. if you're having a bad day, look at those replies. <laughs> no, don't, no, do it. 
Hey, uh, again, if you ever if you missed our episode today, you can get it on our podcast platform. For Kayla Ard, Eric Franson, I'm Ajay Salveson. You've listened to another edition of Full Court Press. Enjoy your night.